0: Well, it's amazing to be the children of God, isn't it? Well, two of you are happy about it. <laughs> Let's try that again. Is it not amazing to be the children of God? Well, exactly. Wow. And because we are, we want to please the Father. That's the series that we're in, really trying to please the Father. I'm going to do something today that I rarely, rarely do, to be honest. I really work hard at messages to make sure that I don't serve any food that's partially cooked. (laughs) And I'm going to do that today. Uh, I can't even imagine how bad a raw hamburger would be. But I do know this. I do know this, that sometimes we have to share a truth that's in process in our own souls. And this one is in process in my own soul and has been in process for about three years now. And I still don't have all the answers. I'm still wrestling through what it means. And I hope I have enough to make this message meaningful as we look at it together. I want to start by uh, reading an article from Robert Fogum, who's a philosopher, pastor, teacher, uh, sage, and I don't know what all he is. His most famous book, he's written numbers of them. His most famous book is called All I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And that's the name of this article as well. So here's what it says. All I really needed to know about how to live and what to do and how to be I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom is not at the top of the graduate school mountain. But there in the sand Pilot Sunday school, these are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. It was one of my dad's favorites. Clean up your own mess. One of my wife's favorites. Don't take things that aren't yours. One of my favorites. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. That was for Pastor Frank in particular. <laughs> when you got into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup? The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why. But we are all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die. So do we. And then remember the Dick and Jane books and the first word you ever learned, the biggest word of all, look, everything you need to know is in there somewhere, the golden rule and love and basic sanitation, ecology and politics and equality and sane living Take any one of those items and extrapolate it into sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life or your work or your government or your work world, and it holds true and clear and firm. Think what a better world it would be if we all, the whole world, had cookies and milk about three o'clock every afternoon and then lay down with their blankies for a nap. Or if all governments had a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess. And it is still true. No matter how old you are, when you go into the world, it is best to hold hands and stick together. <laughs> well, this little thing is filled with rules. It's amazing how much we like rules, don't you think? Like, everybody likes rules. How many of you are parents? You loved rules. Get rules for your kids. Don't touch the hot stove. Don't do this. Don't do that. Sometimes we tell them to do things, but a lot of the rules are kind of negative. We tell them not to do them. And, and in reality, we actually need rules. Society would fall apart if it wasn't for rules. All of us would drive any speed we want. We wouldn't stop at stop signs. There'd be no red lights. We'd just, the whole world would fall apart if there weren't some rules. Rules are everywhere, rules aren't all bad. The problem is, in the kingdom, the problem is in the world, that rules, if we don't watch them, can make us lose sight of others and ourselves. Rules can become incredibly negative. They can make us judgmental and hypocritical. Easy for it to happen. It happens to all of us, me and you. So it's no wonder, I suppose, that, that we have this, this scribe that comes to Jesus, And 613 rules, you see, in the Old Testament, 613 rules they had to obey. And so he comes to Jesus, and he says this. He said, listen, of all the rules, of all the commandments, which is the most important? No wonder he asked the question because the Jews have taken rules to a new level. Not only do they have the Torah, the 613 laws, 365 negative and 248 positive. By the way, just in passing, I don't know if you know this or not, but the 365 negatives confirm, can actually coordinate with the 365 days of the year, and the 248 positive are tied to the organs and the bones of the human body. I have no idea why that means anything, but it does. That's how they figured it out anyway. And the rules were overwhelming. like They didn't know what to do with them. And so they, they took law giving to an art, and more than that, they made up other laws to support the 613 of them. It just became unbearable. It, just, it was just so overwhelming. They didn't know what to do. So I thought I would read all 613 to you today. Well, maybe not. Some of them might surprise Let me go through a few of them just for interest's sake. Some of them might actually surprise you. Here, here's number 85. Bless the Lord Almighty after eating. How many of you pray over your meal? Let me see your hands. How many pray before you eat? Well, see, that's faith. My dad always believed you should pray after you eat. That way you were sure of it, he would say. Well, that's what the Jews did. They prayed after they ate, not before. Uh, 196, don't cook meat and milk together. That's why if you go to Israel today, and I hope you do some of you many times at some point, uh, you'll never get dairy and meat at the same time. They just don't do it. Uh, Burn incense every day. You thought that was some new agey thing, some decorating idea. This is right out of the law. Burn incense every single day. Uh, Don't overcharge or pay for an article. Overpay for an article. Some of you would like that, right? You can't overcharge, but you shouldn't overpay. I wonder if this takes away the bargaining power that we all like. I wonder if this takes away Black Friday sales. Just wondered. Some may surprise us. I like this one. Pay wages on the day they're earned. I don't know how often you get paid. Here we get paid every second week. Please keep those tithes and offerings coming in. But see, the the reality is they get paid every day in the Jewish culture. It's a different world. The rules were there. There. Uh, I love this one, in a way, sort of he has taken a wife, built a new home, or planted her vineyard, is given a year to rejoice with his possessions. Do you know what actually says in the Bible, the Old Testament, that if a man marries, he should have no military service for a year. It's in the law. Do you know why he should have no military service for a year? Because he's supposed to stay home and cheer up the wife he has taken. Hold it a minute. Being married to you ought to be enough to cheer her up to start with, but that's what it says. I'm reading you, telling you right out of the Scriptures, Old Testament. Maybe we don't want to live by all of them. Some actually appeal to us. Uh, Don't be superstitious. Don't try and contact the dead. Don't tattoo the skin. Just telling you, it's in the Old Testament. Don't borrow with interest. Oh, I like that one. How many of you have a mortgage? No, don't tell me. It doesn't matter. No interest. Don't curse your father or mother. I really like that one. Don't strike your father or mother. It gets better. Don't panic and retreat during battle. Think about that. Wouldn't you love to have an army full of soldiers that as soon as the battle started, they all ran away? Don't do that. It's in the the Old Testament law. Some of us we might actually be guilty of from time to time. Hmm. Don't speak derogatorily about anybody else. Is there anybody here who's never said a negative word about somebody else? I'm sorry, you just broke the law. I'm guilty as you. Don't bear a grudge. Hmm, we won't go there. Don't insult or harm anybody with words. Old Testament law. Some we don't like at all. Hmm. Men must not shave their beards with a razor. You do know I don't have any hair on top, right? You're aware of that? Do you know, I actually tried to grow a mustache once, and I actually had a bald spot on my mustache, and it would have been better if it had been in the middle, but it was on the side. It looked really ridiculous. I can't do much about this, but I could choose not to have a mustache. Have children with one's wife. It's the law. If you're married, some people choose not to today. You'll love this one. Don't eat creatures that live in the water other than fish. How many of you like scallops? My favorite seafood. Anybody like scallops here? Lobster? Shrimp? No! No! Not in the law. Can't do that. Hmm. Don't lend with interest. Remember, you were boring without interest? This is the other side. These are just samples, folks, but see, Here's the problem. <laughs> we don't like them all. And in fact, it was so bad, there was a group of Judaizers that followed the gospel around, and they said these words. If you're really going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to follow the law as well. You've got to keep the law. And Paul argued against that, said, no, 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 you don't need to do that. And and we don't want to pick on the Jews very much because here's the truth, folks. All of us are guilty when we live in the Bible world. All of us are guilty of hand-picking, cherry-picking laws out of the Old Testament and applying them to others. And the minute we do that, We're actually breaking the Old Testament law because we now speak derogatorily about people because we expect them to live by the rules that have been shared in the Old Testament, and we're under Old Testament law. We are not. And like the Jews, we add to them ourselves. I got saved at 18 in a Pentecostal church. They had so many rules, it was incredible. By the time I was 18, the, the home I was raised in, I was with my parents and my grandparents, and our Saturday night event is we sat around and played games. We played cards, to be honest with you. And I got saved in a church that told me that was a sin. This was a unique church. If you were under 30, it was a sin to dye your hair. If you were over 30, it was Okay. Like, where does that come from? It's just, like, it's just we can make it up, folks, and people judge people by how this actually happens. It's not hard for us to cherry-pick, make up our own, don't break the rules. And at one time, in order to be part of the kingdom, in order to belong, you had to behave And God said, no, no, Bill said it so well today. You don't have to behave. We came as sinners. We didn't have to be worthy. We're not worthy. God's grace comes and touches us and sets us free. But the minute we live by rules, we will judge others. We point fingers at them. We're critical of them. We're negative about them. And it's so far from the kingdom. I remember preaching a pastor's conference in Mozambique, folks. It was it was so hot, it was 45 degrees Celsius. It was 88% humidity. It was so hot, the sweats ran down my body. I wore a suit by the time I was done, I couldn't wear it again. I had to take it and have it dry clean. I wonder if it was even recoverable. It was so hot. And, you know, you understand this is Mozambique, folks. Why were they wearing suits? Why did I have to wear a suit? And I looked down at the crowd, and these are poor people, and they had strange ties and strange shirts and strange jackets, none of which matched. It was hilarious. But they all had jackets, and they all had ties with some kind of funny running shoes or sandals. Do you know why? Because some missionary a century ago said, if you're going to serve God, you've got to wear a suit, it's amazing how many we can make up rules that have nothing to do with the kingdom. Sometimes when we get older, it's even a little harder. We kind of like the rules as we get older. I'm reminded of Ines Spence who wrote a wonderful, wrote a wonderful prayer about getting older and rules. Here's what she said. Lord, you know that I'm growing older. Keep me from becoming too talkative. And particularly keep me from into the, falling into the tiresome habit of expressing an opinion on every subject. Release me from the craving to straighten out everybody's affairs. Keep my mind free from the recital of endless details. Give me wings to get to the point. Give me grace, dear Lord, to listen to others describe their aches and pains. Help me to endure the boredom with patience, to keep my lips sealed for my own aches and pains are increasing in number. And intensity and the pleasure of discussing them is becoming sweeter as the years go by. Teach me the glorious lesson that occasionally I might be mistaken. Keep me reasonably sweet. I do not wish to be a saint. Saints are so hard to live with. But a sour old man is the crowning work of the devil." Make me thoughtful, but not moody, helpful, but not pushy, independent, yet able to accept with graciousness favors that others wish to bestow upon me. Keep me free from the notion that simply because I have lived a long time, I am wiser than those who have not lived so long. If I do not approve of some of the changes that have taken place in recent years, give me the wisdom to keep my mouth shut, because, Lord, you know when the end comes. I'd like to have a friend or two left. Hmm. The great commandment says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength and all of your might and love your neighbors yourself. It does not include straightening everyone else out. It doesn't include that at all. It just doesn't include that. We have to be very careful, friends, that we learn to love people the way God wants us to. And it's not based on rules. You see, the law, the law makes us judgmental and critical. And that neighbor thing, that love your neighbor thing, God actually means that. This is a long time ago, but I'm grateful I still have those moments of God when He shows up in grace. Grace. I was mar- married by this time, and uh, Sheila and I were living in Peterborough. I was a student at Master's at the time. It <laughs> wasn't called Master's then, but I just needed a bit of a break. I don't know if any of you ever need a students here to ever need a break, <laughs> just once in a while, so I needed a break, and I went to visit a farmer friend of mine, and uh, I had a couple of days with him, and I was, I'm not recommending this, but I was hitchhiking home. I'm standing in the corner of Highway 7 in Perth and uh, got my thumb out, and uh, this little car goes whipping by and jams on the brakes and stalls on the brakes and backs up. And I ran towards them as they backed up towards me, and they said, "Uh, where are you going? And I said, Peterborough. I said, where are you going? And they said, Peterborough. And I thought, this is amazing. One ride. This is incredible. That doesn't happen very often when you're hitchhiking. So I got in the back of the car, two door. they had to get out and let me in. The woman was driving, her husband, I think. Well, it was the husband as it happened. So we're in the car a little bit, and they asked, the, you know, the invariable questions. Who are you? What's your name? Where do you live? Where are you going? I live in Pierborough, obviously. What do you do? And I said, well, I'm a student. They said, where? I said, Masters, well, Eastern Pentecostal Bible College. As soon as I heard the word Pentecostal, she got mad. Like she got ripping mad. She yelled, she cried, she went on a rant for about 10 minutes, and I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world have I got into? And then she calmed down, and I said, there's obviously a story here, why don't you tell me? She said, well, I was about 16, I got interested in, the, in God. And I started attending a local Pentecostal church. And I really wanted to know who God was. I wanted to know who God was for me. And I was there on a Sunday night. I started attending youth, started taking church services Sunday. I was there on a Sunday night, and I was dressed the way I always did. I had jeans, probably too tight, lots of makeup. And in the middle of that service, a woman turned to me and said, you will never go to heaven looking like that. She left the church and had never been back. That's why she was angry. That's why she was hurt. And God allowed us to begin to talk about His grace and how wrong that was and how judgmental that was and how critical that was and how unchristian that was. And the atmosphere in the car changed. The Spirit of God came into that car, and there were different kinds of tears as she met with God in a very unique way. We got to the bottom end of Peterborough two hours later, and she said, I want to drive you home. I said, no, no, it's okay. I don't, where, are you, where are you going, by the way? I don't, well, where are you going? Do you live in Peterborough? No, we live in Ottawa. Pardon? I said, what? She said, yes, we were just out for a drive. They were an hour from Ottawa when they saw me, and they said, she said, I turned to my husband, I said, I don't know where he's going, but we have to take him there. And they dropped me off at Peterborough and drove three hours back to Ottawa because the grace of God was needed in her life. Oh, friends, people don't need judgment. They don't need criticism. They don't need us to be hypocritical about it when we've got so many sins in our own life. What they really need to know is that the love of God surpasses sins and sets people free. That's what people need to know. And can I make a suggestion to you? This is nothing special in Bill Morrill. All of us have nudgings of the Holy Spirit. All of us have those moments if we're open when God will speak to us. I had one just last week. I felt God wanted me to call somebody. I didn't even know them. I got their name, and I called them, and all of a sudden they were resistant and reluctant, and all of a sudden, because God cares about them, all of a sudden they open up, and the Spirit of God entered the conversation. There's no moment when God will not nudge you and use you. This is a sidebar. It's not in the message. It doesn't matter, but it does matter because it's everything. Let's be Pentecostal. Pentecostal isn't just another bubble bath for believers Well, they have another experience. Being Pentecostal is being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and letting the Spirit of God flow through us so other people can be transformed. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. And God said, listen, the Old Testament law just hurts people around us. That's what it does. There's a new covenant. I've changed the rules, God said. The new covenant is the covenant of grace. Here's what it says: The former regulation is set aside. The law is set aside because it was weak and it was useless. For the law made nothing perfect. Ah, and a better hope is introduced, by which we draw near to God and are made forgiven and perfectly. You ready? You know what's his name? His name is Jesus, and He calls us to Himself. And the law has been replaced, are you ready? It's a new law, it's called the law of love. Wow, I love this. The law of love, are you ready? Love your neighbors, you love yourself. See here's what, God says something strange. He said, I do want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, but the evidence that you've done that is actually how much you love your neighbor. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You can tell I typed that because I realize there's a typo in it. <sighs> If I truly love God like I say I do, then I lose the right to write off anyone that God loves, and that is everyone I've ever met. Look around today. Look around. Go ahead. Would you do that? Just look at all the nice people around you. Look at the people in front of you, behind you especially. Just kind of turn your heads and look behind you so everybody in front of you can see you. See, every single person sitting around you is somebody God loves. What a radical thought. <laughs> Every single person around you is somebody God loves. And, 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 I, and I love the fact that we are to do this. We are to love those people around us like He loves us. That's what the Bible says. Love others as God loves them. And we know we're loved because I'll be a father to you. You're going to be my children, my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. But we not only need God, but we actually need one another. We have brothers and sisters. We not only need the grace of God, but if we're really going to be in the kingdom, if we're really going to be followers of Jesus, we really need each other. I need you. If I didn't have you, I'd be old and retired. I'm still old. I need you. I need us to do the kingdom together. I need us to love people into the kingdom together. I need us to love one another together because together we make up the body of Jesus. And together we show what the kingdom is really, really like. Listen, folks, I have to tell you, I haven't figured this all out yet. I'm still wrestling with this. I don't really know if I even know what it looks like in some measure, but here's what I do know. I've seen enough of the other to know what is not. Maybe this is as close as I can get. I don't know. All of us know how we want to be treated in church. God is telling us to treat others that way. Maybe that, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's a start. I did read a text as I was preparing this message, and it comes out of Colossians. I don't know if you can see it or not. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Compassion is a feeling and yearning of care for others. others, Kindness is an action of compassion. It is spirit-imparted goodness of heart humility is not having too high an estimate of ourselves is actually not thinking about ourselves at all gentleness is submissiveness under circumstances where it is needed patience is waiting and enduring with one another tolerance is making room for one another forgiveness is staying in right relationship with one another love is what holds it all together Maybe these are some guiding principles. I don't know. Be nice to one another. Be kind to one another. Honor one another. Be gentle with one another. Be restorative with one another. Be, be like Jesus. I think I said gentle twice. Be like Jesus with one another. Maybe we needed that. Will we let love be our rule and our guide in how we interact with each other? Hmm. We need to make room for each other. Here's what Andy Stanley said. The world will know whose we are and whose kingdom we represent by how we treat, respond to, serve, forgive, and talk about one another. He went on to say, imagine a world where people were skeptical of what we believed, but envious of how well we treated one another. Imagine a world where unbelievers were anxious to hire, vote for, work for, work with, live next door to Christians because of how well we treated one another and how well we treated them. Are you ready for this? This is Bible. This is, this is amazing to me. We know. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have passed from death to life because we actually love one another. Wow. What's the evidence of Jesus in you? Please forgive me. Not because we take communion. What's the evidence of Jesus in you and me? Not because we give. Not because we attend a Sunday. Please don't stop doing those things. That's not the evidence. The evidence of Christ in us is how much we actually love the people who are sitting around us. How much we actually love one another. I I, I can't... I can't fathom it yet entirely. I just can't quite grasp it. But I have this vision in my soul that if we ever got there, it would revolutionize the world because that's exactly what happened in the Roman Empire. Under 11 persecutions, they kept on loving one another, and it changed the world, it became Christian, which actually hurt the church. But you know, we've passed from death unto life. I love this one, above all, love each other deeply because love doesn't judge sin, doesn't criticize sin, doesn't run people out of town because of sin. What does it do? It covers a multitude of sins. Now, I have to say to you, I don't even know if you need this in this church. This is one of the most loving groups of people I've ever been. You're all positive, you're kind, you're encouraging. I've worked with lots of churches I've never been to a board where I felt more loved than at this church. They love and welcome. It was amazing, it is. And so I had lots of great teaching and examples in the past, but we can't ever lose this because if we ever lose it, we stop being the body of Jesus. And the minute we stop being the body of Jesus, we are ineffective in a world that's desperate for a group of people that show what it is to love one another. It's the heart of the kingdom, friends. It's the heart of the gospel. We make room for one another. Would, would you risk with me a little? Would you try it and see? You know that person you're critical of? You know that person you judge? Would you just try praying for them instead? Would you try loving them instead? You know that person they irritate you? Would you try a little Kindness? You know, you know that person that, that's not in the kingdom and you're so critical of their sin, maybe just maybe we uphold them before God. I have a family member so far from God, it's frightening. And, and I had it so wrong. I just, I, I prayed for them all the time. I gotta be honest, I prayed that God would hold them over the pit of hell till they smelt the smoke and felt the heat. And God showed me one day, I was reading Romans, that they were never going to come to God that way. They were only going to come through kindness. And I changed my whole prayer life, the whole way I looked at them. You're sitting, God loves you. And we need to love you. And you need to love me. And when we do that, we become the church of Jesus Christ. We become the body of believers. We become an evidence to the world. By this shall the world know that you are my disciples. Not by how big the crowd is or how nice the building is, by how much we love one another. Secondly, why don't we learn from people that are loving? I just—you got some great examples in this church. I've been loved by this board. Latch on to one or two of them. Become loving. Be one of those models that somebody else. How did you learn to do that? How do you overlook people's criticism, overlook stuff, and stop criticizing? How did you stop being negative? How did you stop being judgmental? Tell me how you did that. I'd like to learn from you. There's great models of it in this church. And maybe lastly, examine your own heart and say, God, do I really love like You love me? I want to, God. I want to. I, I want to be that kind of person. I want to I be a person who listens and learns and lives for the Father. I want to please Him. I, I want to listen to your truth because I know that your truth equals change in me. I can be transformed by your truth. And I'm thankful for your promise that if I confess my unkindness, my lack of love, my negativity, my criticism, my judgment, my harmful language. You'll be faithful and just and will forgive me my sin and purify me from all unrighteousness. Hmm. The great commandment says this, love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Love one another. And the reason God can command that of us is because he showed it to us. He modeled it to us. He commands us to love one another because that's the kind of love that has been given to us. One last thought. I don't know how you practice this. I'm just working this out in my own soul. I just have this vision of what a church could be like, and I'm sorry for taking it out on you today, but it's so biblical. It's so real in my soul. I don't know how to work it all out. I'm just being honest with you. But maybe this would be a good place to start. Sometime today, I would like you to do this: say something nice about somebody else to somebody else. Did you get that? So, I'm going to say something really nice about my friend Bobby here. Don't you love how he leads worship? Like seriously, don't you lo- don't you love how he leads worship? So I would like 50 of you, don't tell him, don't tell him, 50 of you tell somebody else how good he is today. So here's what I discovered. When you speak kindly and lovingly and positive about somebody else to somebody else, it becomes a habit and a practice, and it changes the way we think, and it changes the way we talk, and it changes the way we behave. And somehow God begins to work through us and He transforms our heart and our mind and our spirit. And the Spirit of God begins to work through us because we be kind little kind. Folks, it doesn't mean we can't create things. It doesn't mean we can't admit that there's sin and we have to deal with some of that. That's not what it is about. This is about love being the rule of law. Don't cherry pick the old testament, please. There's a brand new law. Love one another. As I have loved you. So today, find somebody and you're going to say something really nice to them about somebody else. I'm just waiting here. Did you get that? How often are you going to do this? Every day for a week. And we'll come back next week and blow your mind with another truth of what it means to love one another. Because God wants us like Him. God wants us to please the Father. And pleasing the Father is learning to live a life of love. It's not natural for us, friends. It's not easy. But it's kingdom, and it's doable. Come and sing. Let's stand and sing together. I'd like to pray with you as they come. God, help us. Help us be your children more than word. Help us be your children in spirit, heart, and action. Let, us, let the love that you have for us shine through us for others, to others, in others, on behalf of others. God, may we be your church. May we be your children and more than name only. And God, I I don't know how you're going to do this, but I have this sense in my soul that if we're obedient to the Scriptures, if we live in this truth, our lives will be transformed. This church will be transformed. And this city will be transformed. People will beat a path to the door. the word of truth is given not in a Sunday morning sermon, but in our lives, that we have been loved by God. And we love others the same way we have been loved. This is the most transformative truth I know after Jesus. It's just life-giving, life-changing. Oh, God, let it be so. I ask it in the name of Jesus.